welcome back once again to season four of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking. It's called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season and last season has been focused on interviewing people who did or planned to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame the past. And as much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show your support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal or leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. You can find the links for the books or donation options in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. And yet again, I have an incredible guest for you guys. Um, She is now an author of her own journey. Uh, She's also a trauma-informed yoga therapist and relationship coach. Tell me how cool that is. One other person on the planet who is a trauma-informed yoga therapist, and my gosh, it's so transformative in people's lives. Uh, Anyway, I want to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Bethany Dotson. Thank you so much, Amanda, for having me. Of course. I'm excited to get to know a little bit about you. Where are you originally from? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. That's where I'm originally from. Oh, wow. Texas girl. I love it. Yeah. I lived in Arkansas for a while. So okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell us a little bit, uh, you don't have to go into detail, of course, but tell us a little bit about the types of trauma that you had to endure that kind of catapulted you down this road that you're on. Uh, sure. So the main type of trauma that, I mean, obviously I didn't know that was the type of trauma I was going through at the time. Uh, was relational trauma. So just growing up uh, in a home where my dad was bipolar and struggled with addiction and uh, was, you know, violent, had violent outbursts uh, toward my mom and us. So Mm -hmm. I grew up in a home that was riddled with domestic violence, uh, the typical period of of silence and peace and everything's good followed by the tension building phase followed by the blow up big knockdown drag out fight phase so there was a lot of uh instability at home for me in the first 10 years of my life oof that's rough did that lead to other relationship problems for you later on Absolutely. Um, I was, uh, I didn't know it at the time, obviously, but, you know, in, in junior high and high school, I was a giant, I mean, and those are formative years and challenging years for just about anybody, but I was like a giant people pleaser and I really wanted people to like me and I really needed attention, uh, especially from men, because I certainly didn't get it from my dad or my mom. And, you know, I turned to using my sexuality. Um, You know, I started growing boobs and, you know, puberty and all that and wearing makeup. And I really used my sexuality to try to get people to like me and have a series of dysfunctional, toxic friends, a long period of dysfunctional boyfriends. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and yeah, and it was just, it was, uh, so it, it surfaced in my own relationships, my own interpersonal and romantic relationships. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate that that is incredibly common. I kind of went through the same thing with learning how to use my sexuality as soon as I figured out that it was there and it existed. But I see this so often in the families that have these abusive relationships where the parents decide to stick together for the kids. Yeah. I don't think they realize how much damage they're doing to the kids. Yeah, you know, I see that a lot in my work. You know, I talk to women who've been married or were married for 20, 25 years, and they knew like before the wedding that they were choosing the wrong person and they just kept going. And, you know, learning from my mom and just hearing my mom's side of the story, she chose to say, um, but I don't know if it was necessarily for us, she just had a, a a big belief that she couldn't make it on her own. And, you know, she was constantly being abused emotionally or physically or verbally from my dad. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, after years of that, it really tanks your confidence and your self-esteem. So she she was kind of handicapped. Yeah. Yeah, she had to depend on him because she believed what he said about who's ever going to love you. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 What did you do to kind of fight back against the trauma that you'd experienced? I turned to uh, my imagination, honestly. Um I used, uh, I I loved to sing when I was growing up. I always wanted to be a singer. It didn't really turn out that way in my adult life. I'm doing something much different. Um, (laughs) But I I turned to uh, the arts. And when I was in middle school, I discovered that I I had a, a knack for singing. And I got into choir and really went all in on that and took voice lessons and was really serious about it. So I really had a strong passion for the arts. In high school, I got into theater. It was the one place where I felt like I could fit in. Like I never felt like I fit in with like the cheerleaders and uh, football players and the popular kids at school who had like the nice houses and, you know, drove the nice cars. I, I always felt like a loner. And theater was like the one place where, you know, going, my my mom was a single mom at that point, struggling financially. It was like the one place I could turn to that gave me a sense of purpose. So initially, when I was growing out of my childhood, and I didn't know that I had trauma, I was like, this just feels right for me, um, singing and acting. So that's initially what I, I, I pursued and that kind of pulled me out of it. That is so cool. Uh, and it's such a shame. They're cutting so many budgets for these art programs, but. Oh my God. Oh. I know. I know. And <laughs> even, I don't know if you're familiar uh, with Bessel van der Kolk. You might be, he wrote the body keeps the score. Uh, but he even said, I did a workshop with him several years ago. He even said, you know, um, 
dancing in groups, singing in a group, being together in a group, these things where you're doing the same thing at the same time creates coherence. And this coherence is what regulates the brain and the body after trauma. And so I didn't know it at the time, but going to choir practice every day, going to theater practice every day, dancing on the drill team after school every day, being in a group and practicing these things was helping me uh, on a deeper level, other than just giving me something to do. So I find that, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but the arts can be extremely healing uh, for people who have specifically relational or complex trauma. And it is a shame that people are, are cutting, I mean, schools are cutting, you know, the budgets for that. Right. Yeah, I've actually got a copy of his book right here um, in my bookshelf. I have uh, several autoimmune diseases. And a friend of mine gave me this book after it was discovered that I had chronic hives. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, his book changed so much for me. Yeah. Love it. But I I also see the correlation between you said that he was talking about uh, doing things together and, and the, this rhythm was helpful. I find yeah. it interesting that you are now a trauma-informed yoga teacher. Yeah, well, I was a yoga teacher for 10 years before I became a yoga therapist. Which Sorry, is yoga therapist. Bit, that's okay. <laughs> it's just a little bit more specialized. Um, but this is the same sort of thing. I mean, you guys are doing the same kind of movements and you're doing it together as a sense of community, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, in a small group or one-to-one with the client, um, I'm basically helping them regulate their nervous system and their brain waves through movement, through breath work, through specific meditation, through, you know, somatic experiencing. Wow. That is yeah. really cool. That is so cool. And, you know, but I didn't actually realize how helpful that stuff was myself back when I was going through a lot of my own trauma stuff as a kid, I was in choir. And my parents, I, I had gotten into the audition only choir for the advanced group. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud and so excited. And my parents took me out of that school and put me in a different school. And it felt like my world ended. And I didn't understand why at the time, but that totally makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, choir, he, I remember him specifying choir dance. Um, he even went to go on, I think there was a study on men who joined the military and previously like men who joined the military may have had like hardships in their early life. And it was kind of like the last ditch that they did to like get themselves, you know, get, get a straight head on their shoulders. And right. just like the, the, the drills that they do, marching in time, running in unison like all of that created coherence and helped to alleviate trauma that they had suffered and you know that totally makes sense too i'm married to a navy man um (laughs) (laughs) he was in the navy for 11 years he got out he now works at lockheed martin he's doing great Um, wow and he is a leader in his group but i think at the time that was very much what he needed yeah, he'd had some stuff happening in his home life when he was a late teen and um, all the way down to his father abandoning the family. So 
right? Wow. He needed some kind of a, a major structure in his life. So he ended up going to the military and then he went to college because the military was able to pay for it. And he got his degree. Uh, he, he was doing great. He was a flight engineer. Sorry, not that I'm I'm going way off no. subject here, but no, no, no worries. <laughs> I think it was a huge and and great decision in his part. But my father was a lifer in the Air Force, mm. and he never talked about his trauma. But I know there was a lot in there. Yeah, yeah. So, how has the trauma impacted your life with what you're doing now? With what it impacted you? Um, how are your relationships now? Yeah, I will say that I, you know, I still have to be an active advocate for myself um, in terms of of setting boundaries and protecting my energy. Um, I tend to, you know, I work with people who have active trauma and who have massive trust issues. And, you know, they often feel like the world is out to get them. They don't, they don't trust their own abilities anymore. And so working with that demographic uh, can be challenging. And there's, you know, mental health counselors, trauma people, physicians, there's like a high burnout rate. So for me, being re-exposed to somebody else's trauma, I really have to prioritize my own self-care. First and foremost, every single day, in terms of relationships, my friendships are really uh, important for me and being able to put myself around the right types of friends and, and stepping back from friends that are no longer in alignment with my values. So just practicing good self-care and good boundaries are, I believe will be an ongoing practice for me indefinitely. That is beautiful. And those healthy boundaries are so important for everybody to learn, not just trauma survivors, but people in general. It's just sometimes more of a struggle for trauma survivors. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I am definitely an introvert. Definitely. I would say um, introvert with highly sensitive personality qualities. (laughs) HSP traits. Yeah, I'm definitely an introvert. I mean, I like people. I love to connect with people. But, you know, after a little bit of time, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to plug myself back in for a minute. Yeah, it's exhausting. (laughs) Yes. Do you feel like you've always been an introvert? Do you feel like this is something that has changed throughout your life? Um, I feel like, yes, inherently, I've always been an introvert. I think I was more, you know, social in my 20s. Um, just because of, you know, I was pursuing acting and the, you know, waiting tables, and I was kind of in an extroverted job environment. Yeah. But as I've, as I've grown more into my own career, and just more comfortable in my own skin, I would, I would definitely say my introversion is a little bit more pronounced. Yeah. I'm kind of the, the opposite. I used to be a major extrovert and all the traumas and everything that I went through for the first, I guess, 38 years of my life kind of changed that in me and turned me into an introvert. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird personality shift when I think about it and actually, you know, focus on it and think hard about it. 
Interesting. Yeah. So what kind of services or people or resources kind of helped you to, to heal from everything outside of the, the drama classes and, and acting and singing? Yeah. Uh, I would say really good uh, teachers, coaches, and uh, a handful of really excellent therapists. I did, you know, I did a lot. I did about 12 years of talk therapy starting in my late 20s when I was struggling with depression. And, you know, I think talk therapy is really valuable because at that time I really didn't have anybody that I could turn to for unconditional listening and validating my experience. And I, you know, growing up in the household that I did, I didn't get validated. (laughs) So I didn't know what that was like. (laughs) So, you know, in many ways it was beneficial, Um, but I kept, I kept attracting the same types. I kept having the same relationship struggles that got worse, in fact. Um, So it wasn't until I worked with a trauma-informed therapist, I worked with some very talented coaches Um, who are a little bit more direct in their feedback and giving me actionable steps to follow every week. And uh, yeah, just, you know, in my yoga therapy training, being exposed to some brilliant minds, some uh, disruptors in the industry that, you know, we're saying you don't have to, the, the talking cure is not the only way to heal yourself. Um, all of those things have been uh, pivotal in how I got here today. All of these people, you know. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing what can happen when you find the right therapist. This is something I, I talk about a lot on my program, especially interviewing different therapists and stuff, is that if you're not happy with the therapist that you've got, or if you're not comfortable with this person, you need to find somebody you're going to be comfortable with. You can't be expected to get along with every single person that you meet. Why should you be expected to get along with the first therapist you have? Yeah. And I, I, I find that the, the irony in that is that a lot of people that wind up in therapy have a lot of relational trauma and you know people with relational trauma aren't good at speaking up they aren't good at like you know they feel intuitively this isn't right for me but because of their own pre-programmed trauma response of avoiding or freezing or not you know not being able to speak up during conflict they don't they don't advocate for themselves and so they take the same pattern they've been using in their relationships and a therapist is just another relationship and they stay too long in a therapeutic environment that's not serving them because they don't know another way. They don't know how to operate another way. So I find that there's a big catch 22 in that. And I, you know, I talked to a lot of women who's done a lot of therapy and, you know, every day they still, they still think something's wrong with them. They still struggle with anxiety every day. Um, so I think the right fit. And if, if somebody has a hard time finding the right fit with a partner or a friend, 
that it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. So I think there's, um, I think more needs to be said about that. More education yeah. needs to be said about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I often tie it back, you know, with some people as they're people pleasing, you know, they don't want yeah. to disappoint this therapist. They're terrified that they're going to upset this person. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually see that with my own clients as well. Um, you know, they get behind on their assignments or they miss a coaching call and then, you know, they come on the next coaching call apologizing profusely and not wanting to upset me. And, you know, it's something that I, I have to navigate around um, with my, with clients that I work with because, you know, it's a relationship that I'm building with them as well. So just learning to create that safety and learning to, you know, be curious and look at the pattern and, and offer them another choice I find is important. Right. And just browsing through your website, you've got a lot of really, really cool stuff. Um, just in the about section, there's some featured posts and down the bottom, there's one that says how to heal after narcissistic relationships when talking therapy, when talk therapy isn't working. There's so many people that need this. Oh my gosh. Because talk therapy sometimes doesn't fix the problem. You, you know, it can take you up to a point, but the rest is up to the individual to kind of grab and learn. And it, it takes so much work. It's a lot of work and it's so worth it. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel, you know, one of the, especially if somebody's exiting a narcissistic relationship, um, those, those relationships are, it's like, it's like going through a tornado and people get so traumatized by that experience. It becomes an addiction. And so what I find, you know, and it's, this is where I got stuck because I was in a narcissistic relationship. Um, I would just spend that 45 minutes talking all about my ex. And it wasn't, and I, I went through like four different therapists before I finally got someone who, after like the third session of me doing that was just like very blunt and said, Bethany, this is not about your ex. This problem is about you. And it woke me up. I didn't like her. I wanted to quit, but I, it woke me up because she was right. Um, and so I feel like, yes. And just the research shows that the more you try to analyze your past, especially a traumatic past, the more you analyze it in the rearview mirror, the more you fire and reinforce the circuits in your brain and your body associated with that. So you're not creating anything new. Right. You're just reinforcing what you already know. Right. All those negative reactions that you've had to learn like hypervigilance because of an abusive family. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so many people confuse um, ethic with being hypervigilant. Right. I, was, <laughs> I, I don't know what the statistics are specifically, but I learned recently that it's really only like 10 or 15 percent of the population is truly an empath where the rest of like the 90, 85% that claim their empaths are really people with 
Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can usually spot that pretty quick these days. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy once your eyes open to um, what it is that's actually going on in the world and, and what people are experiencing. It's like, wow, that person has uh, some trauma in there somewhere and I need to kind of give them a little bit more grace. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who inspires you the most and why is that? Mm. Can this person be, you know, the, the first person that comes to my mind uh, is my grandmother, but she's, she's no longer living. She's still a, um, she's still an inspiring uh, figure in my life, however. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, um, well, and in part because I still feel connected with her even beyond death. Uh, but I feel with the, the last part of that question and why? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was just a rock, a solid presence that was available whenever my parents were fighting. So we frequently went to my grandparents um, when my mom would leave my dad and she did so many times and would go back. Uh, my grandmother was just a, um, yeah, she was a solid, she was a solid figure. She was like five foot one. Uh, she wore the, she wore the pants in the family. <laughs> my, my grandfather was like six, four. She was five, one. And she like basically bossed my grandfather. He was a world war two veteran. Was he wrapped um, around her little finger? Oh yes. Um, <laughs> and she was, they, they, they had a really successful business. So I would, I, you know, would want to play hooky in school so I could go to work with my grandma and sit behind the desk and act like I was working. And I feel like a lot of that, uh, you know, inspired me to be an entrepreneur because they were very successful and, uh, you know, created wealth and, uh, and she always, you know, early on when I was in high school and college, she, you know, always said, I, if you ever started a business, you'd be great at it. And she just believed in me a lot. When I moved out to LA to be an actress, uh, she just constantly reaffirmed how courageous I was and not everybody has the gut to do that. so she just she just believed in me uh and I still think you know she's she believed in me um you know beyond beyond death so that's the person that is super cool and I gotta say you move into LA totally makes sense to me lady you got a million dollar smile <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> So there's always one last question that I ask my guests before I let them go. It's my favorite question of the episode, always. Yeah. What is one thing that you love about yourself that's not related to your physical appearance? Oh. I think it's my ability to calm people or calming presence. I've been told I have a calming presence or have a soothing voice and I really love that about myself that 
sometimes it's not always the best thing because chaotic people can be kind of drawn to me. And I'm like, no, 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 nope, not, not you. <laughs> but I really feel that serves me to be able to hear somebody hear beyond their words and hear what's really going on that they might be too afraid of saying or might be too ashamed to admit out loud and having that calming presence that creates safety I believe and creates emotional intimacy and creates a space for for someone to be vulnerable whereas before they've had to be walled off that's super important and what a beautiful gift to have yeah so I've got your links here for Instagram and TikTok and for your website. Uh, I'm going to make sure I put all of this in the description of the podcast for those of you who are listening who want to connect with Bethany um, and learn more about what she does. You definitely can. But her website, she's also offering a free masterclass called Break the Cycle. And that's at her website, which is Bethany Dotson, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-D-O-T-S-O-N.com forward slash master class and bethany do you have any um words of encouragement for people before i let you go yeah absolutely um you know if you are whether you're a man or a woman um and you are recently out of a relationship or maybe you've been out of a relationship and you've been on your own for a while and you're swarmed with the thoughts of will I ever find somebody am I going to feel like this way forever uh, please understand that there's hope and that there's a different life waiting for you and don't ever give up on yourself invest in yourself if you can't afford a therapist or a coach uh, get on YouTube man get on Google listen to podcasts like this uh, read audible, read books, listen to audible, stop listening to, don't watch Netflix, you know, do whatever you can to invest in yourself. Um, work with somebody who can help you get from point A to point B faster. Um, and the, the more, the more wins that you start accumulating, the more you start believing in yourself and the more you heal your trauma. That's beautiful. Bethany, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I really appreciate you. I love your insight uh, and your laugh and what you're doing. And <laughs> I just think you're awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. There you'll find links on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted. I can say that. I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed their interview, please feel free to let them know. You can also tune in to my other podcast, Growth from Darkness, which is co-hosted by a lovely lady from Australia. We talk about what trauma responses are and healthy ways to move beyond the past. For more information, just go to growthfromdarkness.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash growth from darkness.